welcome to Soulful 7 Conversations. This is the first one of 2020, and we are on location in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is a very important um, part of my life and my family's life. We've been coming here for over 25 years. And today my guest, who I'm just, she's just a love person for me, is a DMR. Um, we met, I would imagine it's been 15 years, I think. Um, and I would say she has been a mentor, um, a, a really dear friend. It's interesting because I think God has put a D in my life um, for really important reasons. Um, she has kind of come into my life when I've been at places of struggle um, when I'm trying to make decisions, when I've been going through something really hard, whether it's with family or work or even spiritually, and for whatever reason, our paths will cross at that right moment. And she has spoken um, truth to me and set me on the right path. And so she's just a really important person for me, for my spiritual life. And so she is a yoga instructor here in Jackson Hole. And she is the one that started me in doing yoga, and I've been practicing for, you know, 20-something years. Um, I'm still, I consider myself still a beginner, but it's a part of my spiritual discipline. And, um, and so I thought it was really great that she would, y'all would get a little piece of what um, I get from her, wisdom and love. And uh, she is a true seeker um, for, you know, what I would call as a soulful life. Um, she is a very deeply soulful person uh, with a very big heart and is full of lots of wisdom. So Adi, welcome. Thank you, Farrah. <laughs> I'm you. so glad you're here. And um, I'm just gonna start, you know, you know, this is a spiritual conversation. And uh, so I'm gonna, let's talk about the divine and how you know the divine, um, experience the divine in your life. Um, what does that look like for you? Well, I just want to begin with, there's so much that I don't know. Okay. Um, most of this experience of life, uh, this creation of life is unknown. But one thing that I feel on a, on a very visceral and sensational level is that there is something bigger than myself. There is something that has created this entire experience. Every living thing, every living being, every part of this creation from our planet to all of the planets to the universe and beyond. Uh, there's something larger than us that um, is orchestrating this entire creation. And that is existing within me and within everything and everyone. And so I, again, don't know a lot. And, and I am a seeker. I'm a seeker to know something. And that something is primarily to get to know this one who I am. And I believe that the more I get to know this existence, that the more I get to know the entire creation and all of existence. So 
I think there is a, a presence that is beyond mm -hmm. us, um, but within us and it's pulsing within us. Right, and I think that's one thing that you have taught me over the years is this, you know, really trying to understand what is going on inside of you, who, who the spirit, or if you want to call it soul or self, or um, getting, to, getting to know who that person is and where you are in time and space um, in relation to the rest of the world around you. And for me, I guess, it's by, by knowing who I am and what my capacity is, that then allows me to know who God is or creation. Is that what you've been taught, yeah. teaching me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, our, our entire experience of life is happening inside of ourselves. Right. So the way that we interpret what's happening outside is really an experience that's happening within us. Mm -hmm. And so we can believe that um, life is happening to us, but really life is happening for us. And the way that we choose to perceive what is happening outside of us, that is our experience of life. So what we think and what we feel is our reality right. of this existence. And um, the more we can be present with what we think and what we feel and what's happening within us, the more we can actually have some um, control or take charge of what our experience of life will be. And, and I do believe that the more we get to know this and the more we take charge of this one, the more we can um, influence our reality and influence our destiny. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that uh, destiny is fixed. Mm -hmm. I think that we have to do the right things right. in life right. for the right things to happen. And they may not always happen the way that you want them to be or the way that you want them to happen. But within yourself, getting to know yourself, you can happen the way you want to be. Right. It's interesting because I'm taking a theology class right now at Vanderbilt. And it's on Thomas Aquinas. He was a medieval theologian. But that's one of the things is, is you know, the creator, the divine God is, has given us the agency of free will. So the idea that we can make our choices and we can kind of make this path for ourselves or this experience here on earth. And what the creator is hoping and has given us the capacity to do is to choose love, to choose peace, to choose mercy, and that that's the path. Unfortunately, and I speak from personal experience, you know, whatever life circumstances are, um, the uncertainty, the unpredictability, the struggle, um, we can become these little spinning tops and we lose the grounding of our being. And that's when we struggle. And we, you know, all of a sudden the path has all these roadblocks instead of it being an open path in front of us, which you've tried to help me with. Many times I've come to the mat in your classroom, like that feeling of just feeling tight and not sure which way to go and feeling just tangled on the inside and trying to figure out, you know, how to more gracefully make my way. Um. 
Yeah, and I, I, I think identifying the blockages that we are creating within ourselves. It's, it's simple to believe that it's life that's creating blockages, but really, again, it's, it's our interpretation of what's happening that's creating a blockage. And most of our experience, when you, when you talk about being a spinning top, you know, we get trapped in that and we suffer that because we're really just reliving what has happened to us in the past or the way that we've thought about things from sense. our past. Right. And so, you know, I've been doing um, a lot of work around neuroscience lately. It's, it's been very fascinating to me lately because so yoga is a science mm -hmm. and it's an art, but the way that our brain functions, the way that our consciousness functions, there's been many studies out there recently over the last 10 to 15 years about the nature of our consciousness. And 95% of our thoughts are repeating. And we have 70,000 thoughts a day. So 95% of those repeating thoughts are old. Right. They're the thoughts that we had yesterday and the day before. We can relive an experience from 10 years ago as if it's happening to us today because our physiology doesn't know the difference. If we think about things the way that they happened 10 years ago and we start to produce a certain chemistry within ourselves today based on some event that happened 10 years ago, our entire physiology will experience that as if it's happening to us today. So 95% of what's happening within the field of our mind is being repeated. And of those 95% of repeated compulsive thoughts, about 75% of them are negative. I know. Because the mind that has holds a on bias. To the negative. It does. It does. It has a bias towards negativity. But the more we become aware of this patterning within ourselves, mm -hmm. the more we take responsibility for this is me cooking up this yes. nonsense <clears throat> or reliving this mm -hmm. experience that doesn't exist anymore. It's dead. It's in the past. The only thing that exists is now. Mm -hmm. And so when we're living through the thoughts of our past, we're really living in a non-existential state. We're not living here and now. Yeah, we're, we need to be in the now. Because I think it's, we're like creatures of potentiality, which means... Predictability. Oh, we, but we can all, there's always the potential for, which is how God created us, the potential for making new choices. Always. New destinies. Every moment. New relationships, you know, new experiences of God and one another, God in one another. Um, but for whatever reason, it's like we get pulled by the collar in the back and we get jerked back. And then we just repeat the same stories. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. We have the power of choice in every single moment. Okay, so how would you tell us then, like how can we rewire right. ourselves? Well, Again, I've been I've been studying quite a bit about uh, neuroscience and the the process of rewiring the brain. You know, it's known now that there is plasticity to our brain; that we are not hardwired to be any particular way; that our genetics are not going to determine our 
reality and our health, that actually we can be above our genetics. And that means that we have to take charge of our minds. But part of taking charge of our of the faculties of our of our minds and our bodies is learning new things. So experiencing new things, putting yourself in the unfamiliar, being deeply interested in the uncertainty. You know, we get comfortable with the predictability of who we are. That's safe for a lot of people, but that safety builds these walls of protection and, and there's armor. no movement. We don't move anywhere. No. I think I really do believe God is asking us to change and evolve and grow. Absolutely. And the way <laughs> we evolve is through letting energy move. Energy, right. you know, emotion is energy in motion. Mm-hmm. Energy has to move. If it stagnates, that becomes a precursor to disease or dis-ease, which is a distance from ease. So we have to challenge ourselves. We have to put ourselves in environments that are unfamiliar. We have to explore relationships that are new within ourselves and and around us. And, you know, one way that I do this is through meditation, because every time my eyes close, I'm stepping into the vast mystery and the boundlessness of the unknown. And that experience allows me to see, because we don't just close our eyes. A lot of people, I mean, there are some people that can close their eyes and immediately the world has stopped. Most people close their eyes, and especially in the beginning of the meditation practice, and your mind gets louder. But in that loudness, you know, you're revealing to yourself what is really compulsively going on within you that has been left unaddressed. So it's a way of studying yourself. It's a way of looking at yourself and being really deeply honest with what has not been addressed. What have you not resolved? Seeing what you're obsessing about. And in that process of watching, you can start to take responsibility for what's happening. And slowly over time, the mind starts to settle and the compulsions start to slow down. And then in that stillness, there's a, there's a, in that pause between our thoughts, when there's nothing going on, when there is stillness, there's freedom, there's peace, there's mm-hmm. bliss, there's harmony. And, and this is how we can start to, to, to fire and rewire new connections within us is now we get to produce the thoughts and the emotions that we want to experience this life through rather than the mind becoming the master over us. We become the master over the mind and the mind starts to serve us rather than the other way around. And so it's a process and it takes time and it takes practice and it takes discipline and it takes diligence. It's not something that I have to confess. I mean, I'm very unsuccessful (laughs) with that. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I will commit to meditating and then within like three minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I gotta. Go I have to, to do this. something. Yes, and or that, it'll. I'll be like, well, that was wonderful. So at that three minutes, and now I know exactly what the next ten things are that I need to go do. So that which is, is not when, good. That defeats when the purpose. When you stay, 
when that happens, because your mind and body is going to kick and scream and tell you to get out. Your mind and body is going to tell you all of these other things that you need to do and take care of. But if you ignore it and you stay, even if everything's going wild, you know, your, your senses are like wild horses and you have to take the reins into your own hands and start controlling those senses. And so when you have the impulse to go, to leave, that's when you stay. That's when you sit. And you keep yourself right. there. Mm-hmm. And something starts to slowly happen. And even if it doesn't happen for a long time, you still stay. Because in staying, now you're experiencing something different. Now you're experiencing something new. And that's when we start to fire and rewire new connections where eventually, you know, you can't, you can't meditate for a week and, and think, well, my mind is still going crazy. This, is, this doesn't work for me. It doesn't work that way. You know, practice requires an earnest sincerity and devotion mm-hmm. for a long period of time. So what does that look like for you, like, daily? I mean, when you're, because would you say meditation is what we're doing when we're going through the poses in yoga? Or is this something separate where we're actually sitting still, you know, as you would imagine monks yeah. sitting there still? So is that most people need to start with movement because okay. they're, they're agitated. You know, they need to move that energy. So for many, many years, my practice was very movement-based. But it was like a moving meditation. Mm-hmm. There was a complete union between mind, body, breath, and it was very meditative for me, even though I was moving. Um, now, the my practice has has moved towards being more of a seated, still practice, which has been very different for me. Mm-hmm. And um, there are definitely days I I sit. I, every morning I wake up, that's the first thing that I do. I don't go and turn on the pot of coffee or the pot of tea. I you do. sit. Okay. And um, even with your children, I mean, so you set, you set well, time before. Bless my husband's heart. He has completely supported me on this path. And if it wasn't for him, it would be more challenging. One, I wake up very early. What's early to you? Well... In an ideal world, <laughs> do tell. when I'm doing all of the right things, early is between 4.30 and 5, when everything is aligned Yikes. within me. Okay. If I'm not completely aligned, I, I need more sleep when I'm not really taking care of myself. So then I wake up around 6. Okay. But my husband takes care of our son in the morning so I can meditate, so I can do my practices, which... I know I'm very fortunate in that regard, and I know that what not everybody someone, has that. Yeah, that I mean, experience. what would you tell someone then? Just find us another space during the day. Yeah, I, I, what, one thing that is important is that you find a time, a regular time, every single day. So it might not be the morning for you. Early, early in the morning, everything is the most quiet. Right. So it's a very conducive and supportive time for this internal work because the world is quiet. No one has awakened yet. Your mind is also quieter at that time because you're not up against the clock. 
right. uh, that, that I have to get my kids to school and I have to do all of these things before I go to work. So if you make the time early in the morning for yourself, it really is a blessing. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful time. But if that time doesn't work, you know, I tell people pick a time before lunch, you know, before you eat, it's best to be empty. So one, um, one quote that we have that, that, that I've integrated into um, the yoga studio with, with our trainees that are really getting on this path of meditation and breath work is, you know, no sadhana, no food. So if you have not yet done your practices, then you don't eat. Okay. And you don't eat. You have to until work. Until you do your, yeah. You, yeah, you, you got to work to get you your to reward. to get your food. I like that though. So, and that, and that has been very helpful for me because okay. I'm reminded, you know, if I'm hungry and I haven't done mm -hmm. the practices, then I'm reminded, okay, it's time. You okay. have, it's time to sit. So, um. You spoke about doing the internal work. And so you've talked about that over the last 20 years, Beryl. You have to do the internal work. What, what does that exactly mean to you? The internal journey? Yeah. <laughs> well, one, it's an adventure. See, that's positive. Yeah. So, you know, we get really excited when we go on a new adventure, right? When you plan a trip to some new place. Love that. Yes. You get so excited and you do all this research and you really, um, you know, you're, you really take care to, to plan your trip a certain way. But you have no idea what the trip is going to be, right? The excitement is really in the unknown. Right. It's in the mystery of it. So the internal work to me is like that. It's this internal, it's this inner adventure of stepping into the mystery of the unknown and the excitement of what that is. And, and for me, really what it's been is a journey of seeing myself and my tendencies, mm -hmm. seeing my patterns, seeing my knee-jerk reactions, seeing my compulsions, and then asking myself, is this useful? Is this useful for the future that you want to create for yourself? And every time, you know, this internal work, it's like, it's like unpacking your bags. There's actually been a, a metaphor that's been popping up for me lately in, in my practices that, you know, every day we accumulate things. Mm -hmm. We're constantly collecting things from things that we see, from things that we hear, from experiences that we have with others. And every time you come to your mat, if it's be it movement through asana or meditation, it's like you're taking out the trash. You know, you're accumulating all this stuff throughout the day and some of it is beautiful and some of it is garbage. It's just not gonna serve you. It's just not Let gonna go. serve you. Right. And so it's like every time you show up for yourself, you're taking out the trash. And if you don't show up for yourself and you're not taking out the trash, over after a few days it starts to stink yeah. and it starts to rot and this is in my own experience um the times in my life that i've really been in the deepest darkest places and depressed like off balance totally like off, balance. off balance and you That's, don't know which way to go yeah it's like all motivation has been lost because if you think about like your system mm -hmm. if you don't eliminate Okay, yeah. if you don't clear 
literally, if you don't have a movement, mm -hmm. okay, and you get stopped up, your whole system becomes sluggish. And when your system becomes sluggish, you become lethargic. And when you become lethargic, it's really difficult to motivate yourself to do anything. Yeah, and I find that, that when my spirit is sluggish is when I'm the most uncreative person. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden, I don't feel like I have possibilities. You know, it's, I'm very uncreative, more reactive, which is never a good thing, especially when you're, you know, interacting with other human beings. And I don't know, I just, you know, I do kind of feel stopped in place. So this idea of doing the internal work is so that you get to keep moving forward. You know, I mean, that's kind of how, you know, God set this plan in motion is it wasn't ever supposed to stop. I mean, it's a constantly creating artful exercise. And so if I'm stopped in place, then, then I'm working against what the plan is. You know? And if your mind has accumulated all of this garbage, okay, if you're cooking up all of this nonsense in your mind, mm -hmm. there's no room for creativity no. because your mind is just in the It's working it. It's like you're the, you know, the mouse on the track. Right. And I mean, I remember, and, and you really helped me when I was going through just familial relationships and the struggle that you can have in those. And it really just completely stopped me in place. I mean, I can remember coming to you over and over on the mat, and it was just, really, I just kept, how is this happening? Why is this happening? I can't believe this is happening, and going over and over and over again. For me, ultimately, you know, prayer was the way that I, I had to pray for those people that I was in struggle with, and then pray for myself, and that's what helped me get through the movement. Um, but it is this sense of, we... Life is so precious. You know, it hap it, it's there and then we're gone. And so why would you ever want to stay in the same place when God's like, there is so much that I'm wanting you to see and experience and fall in love with and create. And so why would you allow yourself to, as you say, become sluggish, stopped up, yeah, do the yes. work? Yeah, lost. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, gratitude has been a... a big practice of mine, especially mm -hmm. in those moments of my life where I do feel that I'm backsliding, you know, and we backslide. This is part of the path is that we take a few steps forward mm -hmm. and then we collapse back into our old habits and patterns because they're subconsciously ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. Most of the way that we behave as adults we accumulated and inherited that behavior from when we were children. So a lot of our, the way that we operate is unconscious. Yeah. Right. And, but the moment we become conscious is the moment that we can change. That's yeah. the moment that we evolve. If we stay in the patterns of our unconscious or operating from what we've inherited from our pasts, then we're just a victim of the past when we stay stuck in our blocks. But when we become conscious that this life, you know, how can I experience the totality of this life? I cannot experience the totality of this life if I'm just stuck in my head all the time, right. if I'm just stuck in my story all the time. And so when I get stuck, uh, gratitude has been my path. And I find that gratitude, when I just, when I just feel the emotion of gratitude, it's like a fast track 
It's yeah. like I go whew, from being stuck and from being in the compulsions of my mind to just being in the bliss of existence, right. just being in the joy of existence and in the remembrance of the phenomenon of this life. I mean, the fact that we are here breathing I know, is and it's snowing. Such, it's beautiful. It's snowing. I know. We miss, we miss the beauty. Mm -hmm. We miss the love when we're just stuck mm -hmm. in our repetitive, compulsive so, tendencies. So if, okay, so let's just say we're stuck and we genuinely on the inside want to be unstuck. How do you do your gratitude practice? What does that look like? I mean, I know some people like will write three things on a scratch of paper, you know, that they're grateful for, or I mean, will pray, you know, all the things that they're thankful for. What does that look like for you? So for me, uh, my, my, um, my guru makes it quite simple. You know, the moment you open your eyes, the fact that you opened your eyes, just smile. Aww. You're alive. Here yeah. you are. And, um, you know, then you check that your loved ones open their eyes as well. And then the, right there, you're grateful for the fact that the people that you love woke up as well. Um, so that's one practice that I... I mean, that's just getting down I mean, to the raw just, center just, of it, right? Are. Here we are. I woke Thank up. God. Thank God, yes. You. Right. Thank you that I woke up and that I get to experience this day. Yeah. Um, in, in my meditations, I'll just breathe in the quality of gratitude and I'll breathe out the quality of gratitude. And I, and I really just meditate on that energy and that quality of gratitude. And then before I eat, I say a prayer. And I, and, I, and I thank my food and I thank all of creation that supported that food coming mm -hmm. to my plate. So everyone who tended to the land, the wind, the rain, mm -hmm. the sun, the soil, um, whoever prepared my food. And I, I give thanks to the food that I'm consuming, giving itself to me, sacrificing its life. You know, we're so human-centric that we, we don't acknowledge that this existence, it's a coexistence. Sure. Our existence is dependent on the existence of everything. And if we don't take care for that, mm -hmm. if we forget that, we, we, we really miss a really beautiful part of life. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, all the majillion of threads that are all connected. I mean, we're all like everything, everything works together. Yeah. Like so beautifully and perfectly. Yeah. You're right. We are human centric. We are. Mm -hmm. And so getting, you know, getting out of your own way is, is a really wonderful way to just remember, mm -hmm. remember that, that this existence is happening because of everything. Right. It's not because of you. Mm -hmm. It's not just you. And, and I think, you know, when we get stuck or when we collapse into our um, suffering, our self-induced suffering, we isolate ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, and we, and we start to feel alone in this world. We start to feel that this world isn't connected, you know, mm -hmm. and the whole process. And what's the best for us? Right. right. What is needed for you? 
Sometimes things are happening that you may or may not understand because it's what's needed. Mm -hmm. And if we can just appreciate, and this is another gratitude practice for me in my life is just, you know, appreciating those challenges, having gratitude for those challenges. Because if I accept the invitation that this challenge is creating a space for me to grow and for me to evolve, then I can embrace whatever is happening with joy rather than with misery. I can embrace what's happening and and give myself totally to it rather than reject it. And, you know, we're creatures of like and dislike. We're creatures of our preferences. We prefer certain things. We like certain things. And that's all well, we, we want. We definitely don't want to struggle. No, we don't. Right? I mean, we <laughs> do everything in our power not to struggle. Right. I really appreciate the concept of, of welcoming the struggle and the challenges. Yes. However, when you're in it, it's really hard. It's hard. Like one time you told me, Farrell, whatever you resist, persist. Yeah. It's the darn truth, right? Yeah. And it's just, again, it's this internal work of, okay, so this is where we are, and this is the challenge, and if I can just be more open to it as a place of movement to a better place. It's, that's right? your opportunity to evolve. Yes. So theologically for me, I believe that the creator is moving all of creation toward ultimate goodness, mm-hmm. ultimate redemption, and ultimate love. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's if, if there are challenges in that, I have to trust the overall plan. And then within that plan, there are going to be challenges, setbacks, you know, dead ends that are still moving me in that direction. I have to be more open to what the challenges are. Yes. And if we're not paying attention, if you're not paying attention to how you're operating through those challenges, Mm -hmm. and if you ignore and if you resist, eventually something will happen that will force you to wake up. Which it you could know, be a medical we, crisis. And that's usually be, what happens yeah, for, for us, for is that we, mm-hmm. we have to come up against the face of crisis before we Oh, it. okay, this is what I was supposed to, yeah, feral. <laughs> this is what yeah. I have to pay attention to. And, and again, this is why an internal practice and process is so valuable, because it's giving you the time and the space to pay attention to slow down and to not miss the point. Mm-hmm. And well, in the Christian tradition, you know, Jesus kind of set a path of you have to step away from the race. Like you have to, you have to physically take yourself out, which is what happens on the mat, mm-hmm. which is what happens in meditation, which is what happens in prayer. Mm-hmm. But again, that is discipline. That is work. I mean, many times I will wake up and I'll think, you know, I, I'm swirling and I should meditate. I should get on the mat. I should pray. And I will choose to do more mm-hmm. instead. I'll be like, you know what? I am just going to muscle my way through and I'm going to try to do more and I'm going to try to fix this. Mm-hmm. 
where intuitively I know actually by doing less is what would be the best prescription for me. You're trying to control everything around oh. you to distract yourself from really doing the work. Control. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Micromanage and But control. we live in a culture that really tells us that we are in control of our destiny in that sense. Mm -hmm. That we can muscle our way to get where we want to get going or get what we want. Mm -hmm. And really, that is so false. Like, that just really makes us run flat into a wall when we do that. Well, you know, there was a, a Zen master on his deathbed. All of his disciples came to him and asked him, you know, what is the secret to your life? How, how, how did you live such a joyous and peaceful life? And his answer was so simple. You know, every morning I wake up. I ask myself, how do I choose to be today? Mm. How do I want to be today? And it's, you know, in, in, the, in the realm of the spiritual, things are quite simple. But in the realm of the material, things are more complex. So complex. And we have a tendency to complicate the simple. Mm -hmm. And so there are very simple things that we can do but we have to be disciplined mm -hmm. and you know some people have have said to me you, you know adi when you say work or when you say discipline like i just contract and you know and i'm sorry but it is a discipline it does mm -hmm. require you to show up every single day for yourself to look at your tendencies to look at how all of these things that you're doing, doing, doing are just more distractions. They're just more coverings. They're just more layers that are distancing you from the divine, distancing Absolutely. you from self or soul, whatever word you want to give to it, you know. And so if you can recognize that, that the, the purpose of our incarnation is to experience the the joy mm -hmm. of love and this to be liberated really from the confines of our minds so we can experience mm -hmm. the joy of love the joy of this life and experience. even the material world Absolutely. i mean there is a part of us that is eternal and not material and so that part of us well and most of us is actually 99.99% energy mm -hmm. and 0.001% matter so when you're trying to get things done only through particle, only through matter, through doing and controlling everything out here, you're, you're not you know, using the other 99%. You're, yeah, you're not using the 99.99% that is your electromagnetic field that is connecting you with everything around you that actually makes the process more seamless and graceful. And it's important to remember, you know, we're not doing what we're doing with an expectation for a specific result, right? right? Rather with an acceptance that we will get what is needed. It's an experience. I think that's the problem though, is I think that we are so result driven. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why even yoga, I mean, I can think of myself 20 years ago and, and, I did yoga, it was more of what can I do, right? Like, mm -hmm. can I stand on headstand? Yeah. Can I do this? Can I, of course I can, I will do this. Mm -hmm. And now I think, you know, 
yoga is such a, it's a way that I nurture myself and take care of myself. It's a way of um, slowing myself down. Um, it's, it's a discipline. Um, I'm not there yet on the meditation part of it, but I want to be there on the meditation part. So I want to be gentler in that part of my life too. But that this idea that it's just, it's not about results, which I think some people come into yoga or the spiritual life or faith um, looking for results. And I think what God says is, whoa, 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 whoa. It's, it's not results that we're looking for. We're looking for the fullest experience you can possibly have while you're here, right? Yeah, and being completely present and involved with that experience. Mm -hmm. Because if you're attached to the outcome, there's a part of you that's stuck in the future, mm -hmm. right? You're stuck in your imagination, which doesn't really exist. The only thing that exists is now. So, you know, I, we've all heard the saying, you know, it's not, it's not the destination, it's the journey. It's the journey and right. the journey is what it is. Mm -hmm. It can't be any other way. So if we can begin to consciously enjoy the isness, mm -hmm. you know, of what is, then life becomes quite spectacular exactly it's and this magical. idea of the discipline of living in anticipation of mm -hmm. you know and so that means if i'm living in anticipation of it means even the things that i'm like oh gosh i can't believe that's just happened or i don't really like that direction i'm going there's something there that we're that you're gonna receive right or you're gonna experience um and it's, you know, I always talk about this idea of living in hope. It's living in anticipation. It's living in the, the, the idea that the there's so many opportunities and potentialities out there for us to have a fuller experience if we're open to it. Yeah, we have to allow. And, and we have to make ourselves available to that experience of grace. If oh, Adi, you got to talk if, about grace. <laughs> Come on, talk about grace. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, there's in the in the yogic um, texts we talk about um, practice, mm -hmm. okay, which is really effort. It's your effort to be steady and the steadiness of that effort, and it's your ability to apply yourself. So you you have to do something, okay? We can't just sit around and do nothing and hope that things will happen, okay? Right. You have to do the right things. But along with practice, there's this element of non-attachment or really making yourself available to grace mm -hmm. and being a receptive vessel to grace because we can't do this work entirely alone, but we have to do it for ourselves. And so making ourselves available to grace is, is really this this opportunity to to do what you're doing do the work discipline yourself be steady in that effort you know and being steady in your effort means that you're present with everything that you do so the moment that you want to collapse back into your old nonsense or patterns you catch yourself before mm -hmm. you collapse you're you're literally checking the downward pull right but you have to free yourself 
from the fruits of your actions. And freeing yourself from the fruits of your actions is making yourself available to grace. So now you accept that what is needed is what will be. Right. What is needed is what will be. And sometimes what's needed is a little kick in the gut <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or a sore hamstring or, or a, yeah, you or, know, or an ache in your shoulder. You know, a lot of times when, when, when people are practicing poses and they're challenged by the pose, they don't want to do that pose because right. it's challenging. It hurts or it's uncomfortable, but there's so much possibility in staying in the center of the fire, mm -hmm. in the center of the noise. When everything inside of you is kicking and screaming and telling you it's time to get out, I want to go, I don't want to be in this, like that's the critical point. That's when you're on the brink of realization. That's when you're on the brink of some possibility for change and evolution. But if you collapse back into your old, into your comfort, into your preference, before you're even given yourself, giving yourself the opportunity to experience something new, well, then you're going to still just be in that 95% of repetitive, compulsive action, thought, and behavior. So <laughs> I can remember, I don't know when this was. This is probably like 12 years ago. I don't know. That you like had me all strapped up and stuff and you flipped me upside down. And the entire time I was thinking, there's not one cell of my body that wants to do this. I am a little afraid and I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> and you were like, and you're staying here. And you're totally staying here. And I had to just like grit it out. Sit with yourself. And yeah. yeah. But then it's like you say, it's like, it's like all of a sudden these doors open. You're like, one, wow, I did it. Mm -hmm. Right? And two, like a piece rushes over you that, I don't know, that you, it is possible. You know, sometimes. The seemingly it, impossible is yeah, possible. Yeah, it's like you get into these situations. And I think, you know, fear is, I mean, fear grabs you by the ankle or leg and will do everything in its power to not let you move forward. Mm -hmm. And I just think of, you know, I, you know, I am more of the first child A type personality and I do like to feel like I'm in control of my, of lots of things. You know, it makes me feel like I'm more grounded when I feel like I am in control of things. But I, you know, that gets you into a lot of trouble. One, you are usually disappointed by life because you haven't allowed grace to work if you're trying to control every little thing, right? Um, I don't know, and it, and it definitely robs you of, you know, something new happening in your life. I mean, and if you that's let how, fear, and that's you know, how nothing good and nothing new and no new experience is gonna happen if you stay in afraid and fearful. Um, you know, and what are we, and what are we afraid of? You know, we're, we're really afraid of change. Oh, for sure. We're, we're afraid, afraid of, change. of death and, and for death sure. is really, you know, deaths are happening all the time. Not, and not just physically, you know, who we were years ago, if we allow to die, mm -hmm can die. You know, the way that we've thought about things can die. Right. Perspectives. Any perspectives yes. can die. Beliefs I mean, can die. Right. Relationships can die. So many Which are things, good. Yes. I mean, you can't and have that, a resurrection unless you have the death, right? And that's change. You know, it's, it's, or, 
if we if we fear change we're just in this clinging extreme clinging to life and life as we know it so our comforts our preferences our likes and for things to be possible okay there's actually a, a yoga aphorism that that says you know when you are beyond the pairs of opposites when you are beyond your likes and your dislikes your preferences then the seemingly impossible becomes possible because oh, now gee, the door opens mm -hmm. if we stay if we stay in just what's comfortable and familiar there's no room to experience something new and, and that's this, across life though so that's like in your relationships that's a, an amazing you know your marriages it's it's um your relationship with your children it is your spiritual life, whatever, however that works out for you, is this, this potentiality of change bringing all of this new, new terrain, right? Right, to be discovered. New territory. New territory. New territory. And, you know, we get to navigate uncharted terrain, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But we're also creatures of habit, so we like to return to familiar terrain. Right. You know, and when we're operating from habit, you know, habit, you, your body knows how to do things quicker than your mind when you are in habitual pattern, when you're on the autopilot. And so to get... You can't live on autopilot. You can't. Well, and we do. I mean, let's I face it. You oh, wake I can up go in the morning. where I have not done a gratitude practice, right. probably haven't said a prayer, and I certainly haven't meditated. But think, of, but think about the little things in your life that are habitual, right? The moment you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that you do? You cup check your phone. Be honest. Do you check cup your phone? Cup of coffee. Or do you Nothing go for the cup of coffee? Nothing comes before that. Okay, so yours is the cup of coffee. <laughs> Nothing. A lot of people, they check their phone, you know. Yeah, then I do you that go, second. You go and I you know. brush your teeth. Then you go in the shower. You have the same pattern in the shower. You have the same routine in the shower. Mm -hmm. You first wash your hair with shampoo, then conditioner, then your body, then your face. Then you get out. I mean, we're walking around mm -hmm. like zombies, you know, mm -hmm. missing life. Taco Tuesdays. Right, right. Change it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I know. So I know someone there, uh, one of the kids is doing an Alzheimer's unit at, in their school. And they said the simplest things for doing the neoplasticity is drive a different way to the oh, grocery yes. store, to work, to take your kids to school. Like get off of the same patterns. Get and it's off the same, of the same thing universally. Which is why, Adi, I think that I'm so connected with you over the years is because you are a seeker. I mean, you are curious spiritually is how I would put it. And, and so much more so than me, you're willing to do the discipline and the, the hard interior work um, necessary. And I've watched you do that for 20 years. Um, it's this sense, though, of being spiritually curious that, I don't know, I don't know, is that something that we're, it's just innate that's in us? I mean, is it, you know, it's, um, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about, you know, whatever it is that you, you know, think, pray, love, you know, it came from God in the first place, like the God, the, the divine that is working in you. Um, 
Can you speak to this, this lifelong spiritual seeking? For myself individually? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you know, I think I was always quite curious as a child. I wasn't raised very religious. I was raised in the Jewish tradition, but we weren't very religious. Um, but I was curious, you know, like I, I remember many times laying in the back of our station wagon, driving through these tall forests, just looking out and, and seeing like the sun sparkling down through the leaves and just wondering like, what this life is about like knowing as a really young child you know that i wasn't the center of the universe even though as children we act like we are but i knew that there was so much to life that i didn't know and i was very curious about that i was curious about other families and what their experiences were i was curious about nature i was curious about things and i you know i find myself pretty fortunate that yoga was introduced into my life really young mm -hmm. and so i was given these techniques and these tools um, to navigate my the difficult emotions that would arise within me that i really didn't want to experience mm -hmm. that i that i resisted and yoga was really the outlet for me to feel right and through yoga, I became more and more curious about, you know, that which is indescribable, that which is unknown, that the mystery of this entire creation. And, um, you know, I've been curious about m m all religions. I haven't studied much in that in, in, in the realm of um, a lot of religions, but I'm very curious about the connection between it all right. and um that's i guess that's what i'm getting at that i feel like even if you're not in that place right now for whatever reason that you're just not ready to be in that place i feel like we all intuitively want to know who we are who god is how this all works right mm -hmm. that we're curious about that mm -hmm. and some people you know it, working in ministry i mean some people that that portion doesn't happen until they're in hospice mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they're right there up at that spiritual boundary and they're like oh goodness like oh goodness like I need to who is God uh who am I um what does my life mean what is the value of my life um is there a plan you know all of those things you know are, are conjured and and feel pretty desperate that you're trying to figure those things out Whereas, you know, if you can have that working, that curiosity, the asking questions, you know, on the earlier side, which is why I've been drawn to you, because you, that's, that's your whole life, you're doing that. Yeah, and I think, you know, what, what you just said about most people don't become curious until they're on their deathbed. Mm-hmm. Right. Or they've gotten a diagnosis, right. or, or they realize they're not in control. Oh my gosh, I really have absolutely no control. Right. Like the only thing that we really have control over is how I am Ourselves. with you in this very yeah. moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Am I loving? But if we if we remember every day, you know, that we're not guaranteed another day, mm -hmm. then 
naturally we choose to be curious about this day, right? right? So we're living as if we're immortals, mm -hmm. even though we're mortal. And, and, you know, I mean, I remember as a, as a teenager, I was a climber and I was invincible, you know, I could do anything. And it, it really, I had an experience actually on the rock one, one climb where we got stuck on this rock and we were in like we were in between these pillars and the sun had gone down and we didn't have headlamps and we were climbing sandstone and um you know i rappelled down into like this dark abyss not being able to see anything and our rope got stuck up above and i was really afraid to pull on the rope because it was sandstone and i knew that there was a big flake right above me and you know, I could easily pull this flake down. And, um, you know, I remember that being such a pivotal time in my life that I am mortal. I'm mortal. And mm -hmm. this life is precious. And, you know, many things happened after that. And we got, we, you know, we got out of this, this particular area and we ended up on this face and we ended up having to repel off of this flake that was like not at all safe, safe. <laughs> you know and the whole time myself and these two other gentlemen that were with me I mean we we had moments of just looking at each other and knowing you know like I appreciate you and wow this life has been amazing and this could be it you know and the connection that we have the presence that we have when we remember that we're not guaranteed. I know, and that just, we just don't do that. We don't do that. One out of fear, but also we're kind of selfish and caught up with, I'll be living until I'm, you know, however old. Yeah, we assume that we're gonna live and we're gonna grow old mm -hmm. and we're gonna watch our children have children and we're gonna have grandchildren to play with. And we just assume these things, but we're not guaranteed these things. And so that, is something that how has do you been... live from there though not being fearful because you could easily take the opposite way you could be like oh my gosh i don't know if i have tomorrow right. and i'm afraid of that right or you could be like i don't know if i have tomorrow and so boy am i what am i going to do again? with today yeah like how, how am, am i going to make this beautiful how am i going to be today how do I want to be today? If this was the last conversation that I had, how do I want this conversation to be? If this was the last moment that I see this one person at the grocery store that I don't think that I have time for, but mm -hmm. if it was their last day or if it was my last day, how do I want to be in relationship with this creation, with this world, you know? So I think it is a remembrance, you know, we do. And, and some people are very natural at you know, really exemplifying like this practice of, yeah. of gratitude and appreciation yeah, just, for life. And mm -hmm. when you're around Carpe those diem. people, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you, you feel it. It's like, and their energy is just, you they know, they radiate, they radiate a glow this, about them. Yeah, yeah. And you want that energy and you feel elevated and uplifted when you're in the presence of those people and it's contagious. And it so is. So for, I want to be one of those yeah, people for myself. Right? I want to be for one myself. Of, that's today. how I want to live. Right. I, I want a, to live that way. I want to radiate. I want to give out, off energy. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I shared with you that I just lost a very dear friend much too soon. And so I've, I have been feeling 
delicate in my stepping. And so easily I could feel afraid, like, could this be me? Or, But also wanting to honor that I am still here and to live as fully as possible. Um, one time you read a poem. Well, you're the one that introduced me to Rumi, who I love and have like so many books and just think, you know, it's just such spot on for me soulfully, um, the language that Rumi uses. But it's, it was the guest house. It was like and the idea is that you're supposed to not be afraid to allow yourself to experience everything across the board. So you open the front door of you and you say, everybody's welcome in. And that could mean just absolute bliss and joy and love and tenderness and beautiful experiences and creative creativity. But that also could mean heartbreak and disappointment the sorrow, the and the sorrow and all of that. And, and, you know, I would say God has created me with the capacity to be able to hold all of that. Mm-hmm. But that is what's hard being human, mm-hmm. right? It's... Mm-hmm. I struggle with that. I struggle with, um, you know, the goodness and, and, and the difficult in life and trying to still be um, grounded and strong and brave mm-hmm. handling all of that. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it, though. Farrell, you got to let everything in. Mm-hmm. Be brave and let everything, all the experiences, because they will all serve you, is I think what you said. Mm-hmm. They're all there for a reason. They knocked on your door for a reason, and you've got to let them all in. Yeah, and, you know, we have a multitude of emotions mm-hmm. and, and thoughts, and it's not a matter of resisting any of them, but rather a matter of recognizing the ones that are useful and the ones that are serving you in being your best selves versus the the ones that are holding you down and holding you back Mm -hmm. from experiencing the totality of yourself and this life. And so I, as much as yes, we embrace it all, we also have the choice to make ourselves the way that we want to be, to think, feel, and act the way that we want to think, feel, and act. And it doesn't mean that when there's a loss in our lives that we don't feel sorrow. You know, it doesn't mean that we're a rock, right? And we don't feel anything. We can feel and be sensitive to the totality of everything. But the question is, how long do you feed the thoughts and the emotions that keep you suppressed, that don't allow you to be your best self, that don't allow you to be that radiant, magnificent energy to all of those around you. Um, and so, you know, I've really come to, to a place in my own life and my own practice where I, I don't choose those miserable thoughts anymore. And when I am in that pattern of, of, of going back into my compulsive state of being negative or, you know, not looking at life as the cup half full, looking at it half empty. If I collapse into that, I check myself, mm-hmm. you know, and I ask myself, How do you do why? that, Adi? Like, what do you do in that moment? Like, let's well, just say you were step, in that moment. It's a Tuesday morning at nine o'clock yeah. and you're just like, Well, Ugh. the first step is you have to be aware of it. 
Okay. That's the very first step. So I have to say, oh, Farrell, you have just you have replayed that same thing. You have again. to see it. Okay. Because many of us, again, that 95% of our 70,000 thoughts are unconscious. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have to first become conscious of that which is unconscious. And we have to accept the invitation in that moment. That's our readiness to take responsibility for what's happening within mm -hmm. us. You know, it's not because of someone or something. You know, we can blame that thing and that person and that thing. And it and that can be nothing, like in a family relationship where all of a sudden that person nothing. says something and you're like, I just so, I could so easily feel yourself contract. React. Yeah. Tight. And then yes. the venom's coming up yes. and you're going to like, or <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just not going to let that bother me. Yeah. You are not going to rain on my yeah. parade. I'm sunshine girl. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. no, 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 no. It's not happening not. again. Absolutely yeah. not. To, to give anything or anyone the privilege to disharmonize what's happening within you, yeah. you know, to but you set have to you check yourself. Off, you have to check yourself. For so sure. the first step is awareness. You know, we have mm -hmm. to be aware of that which we were unaware of. We have mm -hmm. to be conscious of that which we were unconscious of. And then once you, you, once there's awareness, now I can take responsibility for myself and I own it. I own it. So when I'm pointing my finger outwardly, I make the U-turn and I go back into myself and I own what's happening within me. And I realize that I'm creating the reality based on what I'm thinking and feeling. And then once, once you own it, once you take responsibility for it, now you can choose. Now you can exercise the power of free will. Now you can exercise the power of choice. So it, you know, a lot of the time it requires you to shut up. Right. To just mm -hmm. pause and to shut your mouth, mm -hmm. which is hard for, right. you know, A-type personalities and, you know, yeah. hard for those of us <laughs> who always have something to say. I mean, I'm definitely that person. But if we can just pause and be with the friction that's happening within us. You know, friction is creating the heat for change. Right. For change. Okay. Right. So if you if you immediately just explode and spew it, you know, you've you've just lost collapsed. All. You've right. lost the mm -hmm. opportunity to change. And you know, when we talk about rewiring, if you can do this with yourself five times, it's said that mm -hmm. if you're in a situation where you normally have a specific reaction mm -hmm. to that situation, if you pause and you move from reactivity to conscious response and you do that five times, you will set a new neural pathway. A you new will neural set, pathway. You will set a new groove, a mm -hmm. new mode of response. And so the more we do this, again, this requires practice. Mm -hmm. This is why closing your eyes and learning to just be still and learning to be with yourself and to stay when you want to get out this is the power of that practice because then when you're in the world, okay, and your eyes are open and you're in the hubbub of daily life, now you can pause and have more clarity around what's happening around you and within you and take responsibility for what's happening within you. Because for people that, that don't have a yoga practice or a meditation practice, I mean, what you've always said is, is the discipline that you do on the mat is to serve you and translate when you're actually off the mat, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which is the same thing, you know, let's just say Christian practices of 
you know, prayer, you know, communion, going to church, you know, serving your neighbor, all of those things. You're doing those things so that you do, it does translate. Yeah, and you can do all those things and it never translates. You exactly. know, you can do all of those things and then you still go back home and you're a total asshole to, to your loved ones, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's so, so true, so when, I know. When, when that, you know, measure, measure your evolution by how you are with the people that are closest to you. That's that's how we know if the work that we are doing is working, you know, so you can be the person that goes to church every single day and you pray every single day and you're this wonderful person in church, but then you come out mm -hmm. and same in the yoga room, you come out and you're just a mess and you're mm -hmm. frenetic and you're unbalanced and, you know, and then you have to ask yourself, well, am I doing the right things? Am I doing this with the level of, of presence? that is required with the level of involvement that is required for it really to become a living experience within me in all of my affairs. And so, well, and that's something that, that I've been asking myself, you know, recently is it's, it's always, and you can call it checking yourself, but what is the condition of my heart? Mm -hmm. Right? So, yeah, so I can be doing you know, a million, million jillion things, but if the authenticity and the purity and the condition of my heart is not there, how are you within yourself? Yeah, then I'm just going through the motions. Yes. I don't want to go through the motions. Like, I think that's, the, that's one of the things that, you know, I'm in a, a place in my life right now where that just doesn't do anything for me anymore. Like, to going through the motions, accomplishing a million jillion things, you know, that just, it's empty. Like I want, I need something deeper. Um, I need something that feels like it holds meaning, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Good meaning for who I am on the interior and the exterior. Um, can you speak to spiritual practices that you do that are supremely meaningful to you? I'd say that, you know, really the simplest thing for all of us is to really become, um, conscious of our breath because our breath is what's happening talk in the about moment that the breath is the only thing that is keeping you completely immersed in the moment so simply turning attention to breath turning presence to breath you can start to recognize the relationship between your breath and your mind. Mm -hmm. So when the breath is very erratic or when the breath is shallow or when the breath is, you know, um, hyperventilated or whatnot, there's a specific relationship between the breath and, and the mind and the thoughts that the mind is producing. So simply turning attention to breath, especially when you're in that angst, you know, you can feel mm -hmm. it's your like chest compressing. Yeah, you just feel like you can tangled. Feel, yeah, you can feel everything nodding up. You can mm -hmm. feel yourself contracting. You can feel yourself getting small. And just by turning into your breath and, and letting your breath expand and letting your breath really be the, you know, connecting the pulse of your breath with the pulse of everything. Because as I'm breathing out, you're breathing in, you know, mm -hmm. so my exhalation becomes your <clears throat> inhalation, your exhalation becomes my inhalation, the trees are in that relationship with us. And so just, just starting to pay attention to this simple act that is 
automatic for all of us, but can also be conscious, right? right? Is really powerful. I mean, anyone can can do that. You know, okay, as long so as you are here, you're breathing. Will you give us a specific, like, practice for the breath? Like, I think one time you taught me to um, think of going up three times up in the in the uptake, I guess, mm -hmm. and then sipping the breath, and up, then yeah. coming down mm -hmm. three times. Mm -hmm. And that's super helpful for me. So like yeah. this idea in my mind of what breathing in through my nose, but I'm, I'm going one, two, three, holding it, and then coming back down, one, two, three. Is that, well, even is there another simpler, one? Even simpler than that, okay. uh, because that can not work for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but just, well, let's do it. So close your eyes. Okay. And just cross your arms and actually turn your palms up on your thighs. Okay, palms up. Eyes closed and sit with an erect spine. And the moment you close your eyes, you turn your awareness inside and just looking deep into the vast space. Turn your presence towards your breath and inhale very smoothly through the rings of your nostrils. Become aware of the space that your breath is occupying. And exhale smoothly out the rings of your nostrils. Become aware of the space that your breath is occupying. And now inhale, follow your breath all the way to its end. And at the end of your breath, gently pause. Be with that pause. Exhale, follow your breath all the way to its end. And at the bottom of your breath, gently pause. Continue like this a few more rounds, watching your breath to its end and pausing. Pay attention to the transition into the next breath. And at the bottom of the next breath, gently pause. And now take your time and slowly open your eyes. That so was good. That. Just that. So it's, that it's, whole just, just 36 hours of travel with six kids <laughs> that just washed away. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're I feel so, you know, that's what it is. It's this, um, someone said to me that they're trying to always live from the softness of within mm. and I love that mm. like if I could just live from the softness within imagine what my interactions would be with mm. everybody whether it's nature whether it's you know God you um, from the softness of me mm. and and could you feel in in you know that was maybe a minute yeah maybe that wasn't it very was long at all but could you delicious feel how your experience within yourself softened. 
yeah. the quality, the, the mind will quickly settle when we pay attention to the breath. Well, all of a sudden I become gentler, mm-hmm. right? And I just become, I don't know, more malleable, softer mm-hmm. in that space. Mm-hmm. Then the, I'm going to tackle, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to, you know, that, that just. You yeah. allow, you allow things to be. Right. You allow the process of life to happen and you involve yourself in that process. You, being being a witness of this experience rather than being the actress within the experience all the time. Oh, say it again. <laughs> say it again. Just being the witness of the experience as right. opposed, so, so it's like you're in the movie theater and you're watching the movie. You don't have to be the actress within the movie. Mm-hmm. You can watch what's happening. And when we're watching, you know, this is what the breath does, is it creates some distance. It creates Mm -hmm. some space between you and your mind, between you and your body, between you and everything that you're cooking up. So now you can watch it rather than being entangled by it. And then maybe then the divine within me is is the one that will respond to the moment. That's when you become available to grace. Available to grace. You have to create that atmosphere within yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, so if you're entangled and identified with all of your thoughts and everything that you think you know and your conclusions and your beliefs and you're this and you're that, there's no space. Oh, you've just given me, so this is what I say, Adi, you give me tweaks to my life. Uh You just tweak things, whether it's physically or emotionally or spiritually, and you just tweak something for me. I mean, that just, I don't know, that's... Feral, make yourself available for grace. Like if you are so hung up on X, Y, and Z, then there's no way grace has even an entry, not not even a window to get into um, into your space. And then look at all the things you've probably missed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look back, you know, through the rearview mirror and I think of places where I've been stuck in my life. And, you know, it's the past, so I'm not going to go back and, and spend too much time. But it is a good learning exercise to say, gosh, you know, I really, it's like I put clabbered wood up on all the windows and entries to myself. So there was no way Grace could have ever gotten in and worked um, in my life. And maybe I wouldn't have taken 70 steps back. I would have just taken two or three steps back, right? Yeah. And stopped I mean, in place. We all, we all put up walls. Mm-hmm of protection. You know, we, we protect ourselves when things get difficult, when we experience hardship, when we experience pain, you know, we don't want to re-experience that because it hurts. And so we protect ourselves and we protect what we think we know about those things. We protect our emotions. We protect, you know, we're, we be, we start preserving all of these things Mm -hmm. that we think will, will protect us or keep us, um, you know, immunized from this life experience. Yes. And you know, that armor becomes so heavy and so debilitating. And the more armor we wear, you know, it's like we become like stones. We yeah. become insensitive to everything. Mm-hmm. You you can't experience the bliss of joy 
if you're when stung. you're fully armored. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. So you know, we we just gently start to deconstruct the walls of protection that we've take built. those we things take away. That armor empty the off. trash. Empty the trash. Instead of the soft muscle every of your day, heart. Every every day you empty the trash. Every day. Close Do you hear eyes. this? Every day we have to empty the trash, which we start with the breath. The breath is the first way. That's opening up the it's trash quick, can. It's a quick It's a quick way, way of doing it. Yes. It's the breath. Um, okay, so how do you um, love and nourish your your soul or your yourself? Like, what are the things that you do that that are uniquely take care of a D? Well, I meditate. Okay, you got that. <laughs> That's no. the first and foremost. I meditate. I breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to be in nature, uh, which Jackson Hole is yes, which the I'm ultimate. So I'm yeah. so fortunate to be in this place where it is reconnect. fully snowing. I don't know if you can yeah. see that on the camera, but it is fully it snowing is. here. It is. And we're getting ready to have a big snowstorm of 18 to 20 inches. Oh yeah, Tomorrow's starting to, the yeah. day. Tomorrow's the, the day. day. Yeah. Um, I really, I really feel nourished and uplifted when I'm around like-minded people. Mm-hmm. So when I surround myself um, with really inspiring, positive people, mm-hmm. people who aren't, you know, going over all of the negative stuff in their lives, they're really, yeah. they're really in alignment with um, the positive aspects of their life and, and the direction they want to go from that place. Mm-hmm. I, I, that really uplifts me. That really n- nurtures me. And nourishes me and then you know just simple things like when I'm really present with my son and I'm really mm-hmm. giving myself to him and with my husband um, that's again the busier life gets and the more to do's we have my tendency is you know is I I get very um, goal oriented mm-hmm. accomplishment oriented you know result oriented speaking the language yeah and 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 i and i and i and i feel disconnected when i when i do that so when i'm really when i recognize that there will be time for those things and i'm really present with the people that i love uh, that's very nourishing for me very nurturing and then i love you know skiing and mountain biking and food Oh yeah, food. you love food. I, love I mean, you're food. married to a chef, I'm so come to on. A chef, so yeah, yes, so it's I like I do that's... love food, um, and my diet has changed quite a bit in the last couple of years. So it's been really exciting, just kind of exploring new recipes and. What does um, that mean? How has your diet changed? Well, I've eliminated meat from my diet, okay. and um, I try to eat very um, pranic foods. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I get rid of onion, garlic, caffeine. Oh, um, so no coffee. I know. Well, I, I'll do decaf. Well, this sometimes. was this was a decaf tea. This is a chamomile tea. <laughs> um, You're yeah, good. I mean, I'm yeah. not I'm not like crazy strict mm-hmm. about it, but but that has been very nourishing for me. Really, really paying attention to what I'm consuming, what I'm putting in in my body. I feel is has been very supportive of me feeling more energized and me feeling more elevated and um, just healthy overall, overall well-being. Okay, so you know that I am, you know, hope is kind of my word. It's the thing that I kind of hold on to and hope that I give to people. What would your definition of hope be? Hmm, hope. 
Well, again, I think that we have a lot of, I think that we have a lot more power than we give ourselves credit. Mm -hmm. I think that we have a lot more possibility within us. And so I don't, I don't really hope for things that mm -hmm. much. Um, rather I pay... maybe you're living in hope. Yeah, I, I, maybe I, I, I haven't given that that much thought. I, cause to me, like you seem like one of the most hopeful people yeah. that I know. Well, so but I don't know that it's hopefulness. Mm -hmm. I think it's more, again, just gratitude, you know, like I, I, I have always trusted in the universe. I, I've never felt in my life that the universe hasn't given me what I've needed, even in the most challenging times of my life. Um, so I don't. That's I hope. Don't, yeah. I mean, I just guess, all. I mean, just knowing that you completely trust. It's it's more a trust. I yeah. would say it's more okay, a I trust love that, than than it is like a hope. Okay, I love um, trust. Because hopefulness for me almost, um, hopefulness almost takes me out of being responsible mm -hmm. and my ability to respond to what's happening in life. Mm -hmm. um, but rather, there's a there's a there's a trust that if I if I'm fully giving myself and if I'm your involved, best self, yes, and if I keep working on this one to be my best self, that you know, things will happen as they should happen, as they need to happen. And, um, That's beautiful. Yeah. Trust. So yeah, I trust. All right, Dee. Thank you. I could talk to you for Thank three you. hours. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.